it's a very exciting industry to be in, especially as a young chef. I'm then as a head chef in one of the outlets, a new seafood restaurant we're doing. With a, a panna cotta from honey that's grown on the estate here. Within the last three or four weeks, I've approved over a thousand price increases. Chef Table Podcast by Hotel and Restaurant Times. Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Chef Table Podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Gary Rogers. Gary is currently working as executive chef at Carton House, a Fairmount managed hotel, overseeing Carton's four kitchens, each offering delicious local food. Gary has an extensive career in Ireland and abroad, running kitchens since he was 21. We talked to Gary about his family, career, food inflation, staffing problems and more. All the Chef Table episodes can be found at our website hotelandrestauranttimes.ie forward slash podcasts, as well as on Spotify and YouTube at Hotel and Restaurant Times Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Nespresso Professional, bringing the exceptional Nespresso coffee offering to hotels and restaurants. Okay, Gary Rogers. Cyril. How are you, sir? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself first, about, you know, the family and your your background. Uh, my background, so I'm, I'm from um, Balbriggan originally. Um, my father used to be in the army. He was a chef in the army, actually. Uh, my mother was a housewife. She used to do a bit of bar work on the weekends. Uh, I had three brothers, one sister. So we, we had a great upbringing there in Balbriggan. Um, you know, we were in the council state. I always remember Christmas time, all the kids out on their bikes at three or four in the morning now. And we were a very tight-knit community back then. It was a small town. It's, it's got a lot bigger now. Um, and then, I suppose... What introduced me into hospitality was my the place where my mother was doing a bit of bar work. Uh, a job come up, doing lounge boy actually one night for New Year's Eve. Going back, Jesus was probably 15 years old. And in that place they did food as well. So then I got a job doing lounge boy by night and then kitchen porter by day. And then uh, when the chefs left, so they gave me a chance in the kitchen. Did that for about a year. Then I went to college and that's what started me in the, in the hospitality. Um, I currently now live in Nall. So we did we did some travelling over the years, um, went Australia and stuff like that, and uh, worked around Ireland a little bit. Um, but currently living in Nantes, my wife, three daughters, um, yeah. So that's what and we're you're an Everton supporter. Everton supporter, yeah. yeah. There are many. There are many. We have our AGM in the telephone box every year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But tell me, you said the chef like the influence came from was it was it. From your mother, or was it somebody else influenced you in the chef? Yeah, well, it was father? actually um, when my father was a chef in the army. Um, but I think the first love I had for cooking was with my grandmother. I used to spend a lot of summers out in where I live now, actually, in all. And she, she lived out there, and uh, she's a real old school cook. She made the best bread I've still ever tasted to this day. Like, I got the recipe off one of her daughters, and I, I just can't do it the same. Um, she was a legend at kneading it, and she baked it down in her standing cooker. Like that would have been fueled with logs and stuff like that. So you you've all that going on as well with flavors, so. You know? But I remember just um, one day she's great at baking as well. Uh, she let me make a sponge, and I always remember that moment where, you know, three three eggs, three ounces of sugar, three ounces of flour, and then uh, I couldn't believe it. Put it in the oven and it came out with a cake. You know, right. I couldn't believe that. You know. Yeah. And that, I think that's where it started. So when you look back, 
little moments, you know. And then she'd make like lovely stews and stuff out of cheap stuff. There wouldn't be much money around back then. That was back in the eighties. Um, but uh, she's she's the food she put up was delicious. Like it's really good. Cleveland. And then I would have done. Me, my father was chef in the army. He also did uh, over the years. He, he ran a couple of places out the kitchen. So I would have done a few days here and there with him. My brother's a chef as well, and my other brother is a plumber. But he's also dabbled in the kitchen as well. So must be in the blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. You said I think your other brother has an hotel, isn't it? Yes, yeah, he's down in Carnaby, Carnaby Hotel, so um busy busy down there. He took over, um got the keys, he didn't have a great start actually. I don't know if I told you last time I was speaking to you, um he got the keys in February two thousand nineteen. And then my father passed away, I think a week after he got the keys. And then two weeks after that then COVID hit. So we did an absolute disaster of a start. But he's still there. He's actually you now um they're taking in uh Ukrainians actually in the hotel now. And he's them um, he thinks for the rest of the year this year. Um so it's a great thing for him to do. It's good business decision for him as well. But also it's a good humanitarian thing to do, you yeah. know. So um they were they were, they were to and from with the idea, I think, at the start, because there's pros and cons to everything, you know, but I think they've done the right thing. You yeah. know. We all have to do our bit, you know. Exactly. So and tell me just a little bit about your, your work. Like, where, where was your first job? Can you remember your first job? Well, yeah, back then. So that was the milestone in Barbrigan. Um, so I was doing lounge boy but in the evenings. And then kitchen porter. Did KP for a few months before I got into the kitchen. Um, but I really, doing the K, the kitchen porter job really gives you a good grounding and something that sort of brought with me throughout my career, you know, like I, I'd respect a kitchen porter every much as I'd, I'd respect the chef in our team, you know, they all, they're all the same, all very important parts of the culinary team here. Without a kitchen porter, a chef can't cook, you know, guests can't get uh, nice clean plates and stuff like that in, in a timely manner if you had to turn them over, so very important job. So, um, yeah, and then that's why I, I get in then as a comedy chef then after that, but it was a good, good place to start. You know, I, I always say there's young guys there, they have ambitions maybe to be a chef and they're doing kitchen porter. I always tell them I started as a kitchen porter. You get to learn the kitchen, you get to learn the people, the dynamics. You know, it's, it's a great place to start. So, Nespresso Professional brings the exceptional Nespresso coffee offering to hotels and restaurants that demonstrate a commitment to excellence. Nespresso coffee is made using the finest beans sourced from renowned coffee growing territories worldwide. Offering a range of coffees to satisfy discerning palates and complement dining experiences, the Nespresso Professional Coffee Machine delivers consistently exceptional coffee drinks, cup after cup. In your career then, like, you know, that was your first job, and how did you work then after that? So we did um, the, the milestone there a couple of years, I went to college for a couple of years, uh, did my uh, culinary course, worked down in Clifton, I think it was one of my placements. Then come back that the owner of that bar, pub in Bad Rigging Milestone, they opened the they bought a bar across the road. So I went in there as the second chef. And then I actually got I was a head chef and was twenty one there, but I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. Right, you know, but yeah. back then I shouldn't have shouldn't have had that job at twenty one. I only you, you only learn that as you get a bit older and wiser, you know, but I thought I knew everything. Oh here, I have a sewn up here, I was getting good money, but probably one of the regrets I have that I stayed there probably too long, you know. I should have been moving around. That was the time for me to move around and do some travelling. Um, so I went from there. Where did I go to? I worked in 
the airport hotel for a year or so, um, a few years ago now, I was in a hotel in Jordan for a year or so. Um, then I went to Australia in 2012, started off as a, a, a restaurant head chef in a five-star resort in Darwin. Um, I got the job, went to Work Expo, actually we were thinking of moving to Canada, this was when, 2012, so we are in the middle of the recession, it was all doing, my Glenn was just sick of it, my wife was sick of it as well, um, so we just said look we'd make a break for it, and we went to the Work Expo up in the RDS, and there was one guy in the chef uniform there, he was the exec chef, exec sous chef from Sky City in Darwin, so I just honed in on him, and uh, I'd never even heard of the Darwin before that in Australia, he was here in Sydney, Melbourne and stuff like that. Mm. Honed in on him and got we interviewed in the Gresham, I think, the following day and then got offered the job. Um, so as I was, say, I'm then as a head chef in one of the outlets, a new seafood restaurant we were doing. And then I progressed then. I was head banqueting chef there for a year after doing about a year in the seafood. Banqueting over there was phenomenal. Um, we we do like V8 supercars over a weekend. Could be 5,000 off-site, you know, so you have to cater for that. We did... Uh, a gala ball every year, Could be, I think it was 2,750. Everyone gets a play to the starter and then there's buffets for every 150 people. So huge operation, huge banking. And I learned so much there. So I did that for about a year. Then I got the exec sous chef job. Um, six months, I think, that, doing that. And then exec chef job then for a year and a half or two years, like that, something like that. Then we decided to come back to Ireland then. Went to um, Lyrat Estate in Kilkenny for a couple of years, two, two years, maybe just over two years. Um, very busy operation down there, five-star hotel, convention centre, catering for up to 900. Um, busy, busy spot. Um, then went to the Conrad, a couple of years in the Conrad, two year, two and a half years in the Conrad, and then came to here. Right, yeah. That's where I am. And in, that's me. Yeah, in that sense, like it's, it's been a very varied and sort of, I suppose, you know, great experience for you, the difference, you know, down and then back to yeah. back Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, talking about kitchen, you're talking about the, you know, the, the volumes of, of work in, in Darwin. And if you look at Ireland, the kitchen culture, what, what's the difference here in the kitchen culture here and the kitchen culture in Darwin? Um, Ireland, like, Australia was very diverse in the kitchen. You have all nationalities in there. You know, I think Ireland is getting better. Like, there's obviously more nationalities working in Ireland now, but certainly before I went, um, that was very new to me. Like, back then, um, predominantly Irish people in the kitchen, you know, you might get a few English and spatterings of Aussies maybe and stuff like that, but over there, you have nationalities from everywhere. And you learn a lot about that, that as well. It's cool, good learning that, how to deal with different cultures and stuff like that. And... Um, did everybody book over there? There was no, you couldn't shout and roar in the kitchens over there. You'd be in the HR. It was a huge operation. I think there was 950 staff in that place. Um, it was a casino resort. Uh, when we got five restaurants, seven bars and stuff like that. So loads of staff. But they didn't take any nonsense as, as regards them. Um, you couldn't use bad language. You had to do everything professionally. And it was good learnings there. You know, good way to, good, 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 good way of operating, I think, you know. And I, I think Ireland has become like that now as well. Yeah, they think, think, think that stereotypical image we have of the chef losing his head mm. is, is of a bygone age. Yeah, I think you might get it the autumn maybe in restaurants, standalone restaurants. The, the, that culture's probably still living there, but I don't think it's as bad. But I think certainly in hotels that it's not accepted anymore, which is good. Mm-hmm. There's no need for it. You know? um, I don't think you achieve anything. You know? 
counterproductive probably I found over the years that, that type of stuff that, that type of management and team mm. spirit you know right because um, you, you said about you know the culture like your, your culture is like the, the kitchen porter is, is, is important as an executive chef yeah in, in the kitchen so give us a you know a typical day in the life here in Carton House what, like you would say on a, on a regular sort of busy day what, what's What's the protocol of what happens? For me? Yeah. For my, my day today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I normally come in around 7 to 8 o'clock uh, and then have a quick look at emails. Maybe I'd look at a handover from the night before and then I come up and see how breakfast is going. If it's busy, I'll jump in and give them a dig out. That happens probably three or four. I was in there this morning for about a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Just jump in because um, just get everything out in a timely fashion because we, we cook a la carte and I need most mornings I just have two chefs in the kitchen. You know, so I'll jump in and give them a dig out. Then we have a look at the business for today, and um, we'll have a chat with the teams, all the head chefs when they come in, uh, discuss what's happening for the rest of the day, bookings, um, and then get through that. Uh, I, as I uh, check in with them all, all the head chefs, check in with all the kitchens every day. Then I'm like, whatever, you could be, you're looking at costings, you could be doing menus for certain events. Like most most events now, nearly want bespoke menus, though. The girls and says, even though we have menus done, they be asking oh, they, would they would like to do an Irish team night or an Italian team night for a corporate event and then you're planning then for the weekends predominantly when we, we got a lot of big functions and stuff like that giving the, the lads a hand planning and that keeping an eye on hygiene um, making sure stores is good you know that's the day mm-hmm. doesn't be long going in then you have meetings normally in the afternoon doing meetings and um yeah, the day the, 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 the day flies in. Yeah. And what about let me say, has it become more pressurized in regard to say personality and costs and everything else in the kitchen? Yeah, well, I suppose that as executive executive chef, you're responsible for the the culinary everything culinary, so down to quality, um, down to costings as you say, labor cost, and um, reviews. We're constantly getting judged. You know, people have an expectation when they come in here. So yeah, that'd be uh, predominantly a big part of my job. Um, make sure quality is good, giving all the chefs what they need, all the tools they need to do their jobs, um, and then making sure we're achieving our GPs at the end of every month in each outlet, and it all joins together then into a nice month then. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, you know. So like, like, any hotel in the country would... They tell you, um, you need to be busy in CNE really. To, it's a lot easier to make your uh, full cost profit, you know. Yeah, if you're busy in CNE, you're yeah. doing the volume, you know, it's harder to make it. And if you have a quiet month in conference and events, you're going to struggle trying to hit your full cost, you know, and, and that'd be fairly common, I'd say. Yeah, you mentioned that you had a big event there the other day, the, the, the conference organization. Yeah, um, that's right, yeah, APCO last week, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you you organised an outdoor barbecue for that. Yeah, well, we did a dinner. Um, those hundred and thirty guests for dinner. Uh, we did a lovely. What did we do for starters? We had a lovely duck dish, a crab dish. We had beef wellington and halibut. Lovely desserts as well. We had a, a panna cotta from honey that's grown on the estate here. We have a beekeeper here up in the thirteenth hall, so we made panna cotta using that honey. Then the next day, then we did a barbecue outside in the courtyard outside the main lobby. And then we 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 have a boat up on the loading bay there, um, so we made a seafood display on the boat, and then we did a lovely mixture on salad station as well. So it was very nice, you know, very good. First time we did that, like that really. Right, right. So I started, so it was nice. So it's Got good feedback. Right, yeah. People so enjoyed it. 
yeah. able to able to sort of push the boat out. To, yeah, uh, go to the the <laughs> <laughs> we sail on, sail yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you look now, say say food styles, like what you do here, like I mean, I presume it's an eclectic mix of food. It's not all, you know, you you continually change the menu. I assume. Yeah, we do. We change the menu um, at least for like. What, the Morrison menu changes every couple of weeks the Chef Nair changes all the time which is good um, in Kathleen's we've, we've probably changed it 10 times Ooh. since we opened last May which is a lot um, I just find it good it's good for uh, keeping the chefs interested in what they're cooking and just coming up with new ideas like you, you might see a couple of dishes that don't, that don't work on the menu we can pull reports off that tell us how many dishes of each we've sold in, in whatever time period so they're like, this isn't selling well, but let's change it up a little bit, you know. And then the carriage house, we've probably changed it four times since we started. But you have to at least try and change with the seasons, you know. Um, in the winter, in the winter, you're you know, from more hot, wholesome, you know, mm. that style of cooking. And then the summer, you're trying to keep dishes lighter, lighter sauces and maybe more salads on the menu and stuff like that, so. Right, you mentioned interesting. The, yeah, you mentioned the fact that you have you use your own honey for for the for, for the um, event recently. That you have your own honey, your, your beekeeper. Do you have any? Do you have a garden here, such a herb garden, anything like that here? No, but we will do. That's on our uh, one of our projects for this year is to get herbs started, and we're, we're going to start off slow and then hopefully elevate that then into more herbs and veggies maybe as well. Put a polytunnel in, but John John Plummer here, the the superintendent for the facilities here. He's a, he's a group very very on board with it and they'll give us plenty of support so we need to get that off the ground so mm-hmm. that's one of our on the jobs for this year because his providence is a very important element of it oh, unbelievable like, I, I even tried to put on the menu what harbour seafood has landed on you know um, and we put that on the menu I think people are more interested now in knowing where um, where their seafood comes from where their veggies come from you know we try to use as many local suppliers as we can, keep it within a certain amount of miles of the hotel when, when possible. Like um, a lot of our producers be local, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. Great support them as well. Like we use Fake Cullen Farm. He's only down the road there for chicken and duck. We use um, a local herb growers, well, Little Cress, Dave Heffernan. Um, I own a farm beetroot or I own a farm baby vegetables in Garrison. And then lo- all the seafood, we try to keep it local as well. You know, mm-hmm. So it's great. Right, yeah, and does, it, does that necessitate you going out visiting these places and getting a sense of? Yeah, the, the, we we try to. A couple of the guys have gone down to uh, a couple of them, but uh, a lot of the guys have come in here and like I I I know a lot of my reputation, so we trust them, you know. And um, mm-hmm. but the, the guys in each outlet might go down and visit, all right, and you know it's it's good for them as well to see. And is sustainability something that you would be conscious of in the kitchen? Like I mean, from the way you cook and. You know, yeah, that's another one, another project, uh, Planet 21 is called for a core, obviously Fairmount's in the core uh, hotel, so that's an initiative where we're really ramping open this hotel now this year, uh, trying to cut, cut out in single-use plastic, sustainable seafood, certain seafoods they don't want us using on the menus, um, and that all that, trying to really get that, we've, we've actually heard recently a, a, a staff member that deals with that as well, they're driving that, so... I, I, I assist and you know hard house manager will assist as well good key key stakeholders trying to get that done but that's definitely on our radar this year and if you look at the current unfortunately the current situation in Ukraine has impacted on, on, on Europe dramatically and we're looked at rising costs in regard to yeah. 
food produce, yeah. you know, f- you know, food, food, food um, inflation, and also fuel, you know, like the cost of fuel inflation. Has, has that began to impact on you here? Hundred percent. We like, we use a system called Procure Wizard there, so every day I can go in into, onto the website and I, there's a section where you have to approve different new prices. And I reckon within the last three or four weeks, I've approved over a thousand price increases. It could be 20 cents a kilo here. It could be a euro box here, but it all adds up. It probably makes 5% difference to the, the cost at the end of the month. Just in the last month, it's like my suppliers tell me they've never seen anything like this before. You know, couldn't get tomatoes last week. Because um, the, this time of year, they'd be coming out of Spain and there's a strike on over there with truck drivers. And they wouldn't let any trucks from Ireland or the UK in or out. Big problem, couldn't get cost lettuce, stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but prices are going through the roof. Everything, beef, fish, chicken, veggies, fruit, everything. Dairy, dairy's gone through the roof. That's tough. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's nearly plateau though. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying not to pass onto the menu as much as you can, but it's going to have to come to a time where you're going to have to, you know. And how long do you think that can be sustained? That you I don't know. It can't keep going like this. No, otherwise you'd be charging people wouldn't be able to afford about, right? Because like I know chicken chicken is up twenty five. Uh, something that cost me twenty five euro for twenty five chicken breasts is now thirty one euro. You know, it's, it's huge and that's only the last two weeks. Butter's gone up twenty euro a box, you know. Stuff you don't even think about. Oh the base costs. Base costs, like veggie all the vegetables are going up. But ah it's uh, it's not easy. Mm. But, um, we keep going that's why probably looking into more cheaper cuts of meat now on menus and trying to keep the cost down and keep the menus um, menu prices cheap but I guess for people you know, we're not mm. pricing ourselves out of markets so. mm. yeah now you mentioned that you have a number of different restaurants here within within the the, 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 mm. the property and what's the, what, how do they cater like, obviously they're all they're different dining experiences are they? yeah different dining experience different price points as well Um. So in the carriage house, be like bistro style food. Uh, it's, a, it's a golf clubhouse, but also um, a lot of our hotel guests like to dine over there. It's very casual dining. We do lovely steaks over there. We have a Mabrasa grill, so it's fueled with charcoal. We do like black salt on the bone. We do a couple of nice seafood dishes, feather blade, beef, and then we have fish and chips. Then we do a Wagyu burger over there. That that type of, you know, that, that, that type of food, um, which is very good, very busy outlet by far. And then we come over to Kathleen's Kitchen, be real Irish, wholesome food, you know. Um, uh, probably a little bit more expensive. And then we have the fine dining in the Morrison. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, predominantly tasting menu and tablet on menu. And then we do afternoon tea, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's quite busy as well. And then obviously our conference and events, very busy corporate stuff coming in now as well. Uh, getting busier on the corporate side. And then weddings are picking up. And then breakfast, and it keeps keeps you busy. Lots and, happening all the time. And would you see that you know you mentioned corporate because you know the the worry was concern was that corporate Ireland may cease to exist with all the Zoom meetings out there. But are you seeing a resurgence of people want to interact again and get together? I think so. I think there's a huge appetite now for them to be meeting face to face. We see that now. Um, the girls are constantly doing show around. We got one girl there earlier. One of our sales team come in doing a show around. Definitely, I think there's an appetite. I think uh, it's great doing a teams meeting and stuff like that, but it's great to also meet face-to-face, I think. You know, it's a different type of 
meeting you have and you know okay yeah um, yeah i suppose if we look at the, the the most concerning thing for the industry at the moment would be the likes of staff shortages right yeah we know the impact of covid like the covid impacted you very much here or how did you deal with covid well i joined here in may so we're just i joined here a week before we opened up second of june i think we were here about a week or 10 days maybe before we opened so i sort of come in at the end of covid for the most part, I know we did a few months of it afterwards, but it was tough, tough trying to get uh, team members in certain certain areas. Even now, we're still struggling, and I know front of house, very much struggling with um trying to get team members, and so teams throughout accommodations very very much struggling. Um, I'd say every team is looking for staff in the, in the building here. At the moment, mm-hmm. So we're still looking for some chefs in key areas as well. So yeah, kitchen porters, yeah, it's not easy. And how can that be dealt with? I mean, like, would, would you be an advocator of the apprenticeship schemes coming back into play? Do you think that is the route to go? Or? Yeah, well, we have, we are, yeah, I, I think so. Look, we've, I've, I've a bit, look, we've, I think, five comedy chefs here at the moment that are in college, and I'm a big believer in that. We, you know, we, we need to be trained in the next generation of chefs, and Carton Hill should be a place where comedy chefs want to go and learn, because... They can be in here working in three different outlets and then do conference and you can do breakfast. So for a comedy chef to come in here and maybe we, we move them around each outlet, it's, you couldn't get a better place to, to learn. But I think definitely you, it could be looked at, you know, uh, going back to the classic apprenticeship style, you know. Um, but yeah, we need to be training, especially with chefs, the next generation. There's a lot of drop off as well uh, with chefs, I think, in college. And what, what do you think is the cause? Of, what is the cause of that? Is it because of perception or? Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Actually, perception. Them, um, they, they probably probably look at chefs on TV and think it's all lovely and you know, uh, easy easy jobs. And but when it gets down to reality, and they're working, asked to work weekends or asked to do, to do long hours and stuff like that, some of them probably struggle with that. You know, struggle with the reality of it, and it's hard work. You're on your feet all day. Mm. You know, it's tough. tough. Kitchens can be tough places. Yeah. yeah, particularly we have a situation where the, the other night the, the, the young doctors were complaining about their their, their jobs and the long hours they have to do. And I think that's just part and part of the society, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. But, um, yeah. but is, it, is, it, is it a situation where our generations are now too cosseted and not, not willing to put in the effort? Maybe it's just a different way of looking at life. I think uh, they're probably more health conscious and they probably feel the under 14-hour shift is not healthy. You know, and, and maybe they're right, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right. Maybe we need to change. You know, so I'm always very open, open-minded. Um, uh, you know, at the same time, like we have a couple of team members here, younger ones, and there are, are different different aged groups, I guess. But I, I do try to treat them all equally. I don't. I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, one comedy chef asked me recently, could they go out to four days a week? But that's something we want to do in two in two restaurants. But I need to get more team members in. But I, I can't be doing it just for one. I need to wait and. No, they they were together. A team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, but you think that's how it's going to have to go? That the maybe. the industry is going to have to change. So. It's, it's it's the way that they operate. Yeah, give give you know have more staff available and cut, reduce the hours. I think so. Yeah, I think we're we're going to have to cut cut down to more normal hours if you like. You know, right. give give team, you know, maybe every second week. I don't know. Whatever. It's, we're going to have to be more flexible. The the the, the appetite is there with young chefs now. I think to do the long shifts. I can mm. see it. Mm. Same myself, you know. You might get the odd one that are happy enough to do it, but I just think that culture has changed them. Maybe they're right, you know. Mm. Maybe they are right. 
I know from time to time you, you seem to invite celebrity-type chefs to come to your to restaurant. You had um, Mr. Mariarty, Luke Mariarty here a few weeks ago. Oh, Mark, yeah, we Mark, marked there Mark, in, Mark. where was it? That was a March, yeah, we did a great yeah. night, great food, we did, he was here for two nights and uh, great great thing for food lovers, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we priced it well, good taste menu on, uh, very interactive, um, Mark and Derek Kelly, the head chef in, in Kathleen's, Mm. Tried to get around all the tables, say hello, and just a really good experience, something different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something we'll do in the future as well. We might do something in the Morrison next. Maybe do uh, get a chef in and do it. Just try to do something a little bit different and attract different clientele to the hotel and to the restaurant and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, would, you, would, you, would you be a great um, advocate for the likes of the culinary arts, the, the, the different schemes now that some of the colleges are engaging with and promoting? In what way? In the sense of creating a, I suppose, a degree course in, 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 our, in culinary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? You know, um, I know a friend of mine. Um, he was a like, chef for years. Now he went back to college and, and now he's teaching. You know, it's great. You know, mm-hmm. um, some people that will suit and some people won't. Some people want to be in the industry and some people want to take a, when they get a bit older, maybe take a step back and do teaching or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but as, you ind- as you indicated yourself, I mean, because of the skill set you had, you were able to go to Darwin Mm. And, and you know, and, and have a you know, explore the world. And yeah. it's not something within within the sector. If you have those skill sets, the world is your oyster. Oh, it is, yeah, definitely. Like I guarantee you, about that any country has a chef in the world, and they're going to be looking for chefs. You know, um, I think the worldwide uh, problem where there's a shortage there, but it does. It all. It's a very exciting industry to be in, especially as a young chef. And I'd always say to young young people now, do your couple of years, get your college out of the way, um. Like stay with us for as long as you can within this, but then go out and see the world. And because you learn, you're learning about different cultures, but you're also learning from the chefs that you're working beside. You learn as much from them as you as you learn from your head chef. Mm-hmm. You know, just to go to the colleague, you might be standing to the next at a bench. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're learning. You're learning everything he's learned in his career. You know, so it's a great. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that you know chefs from outside of Ireland. Maybe is that where you have to look at to bring people from outside of Ireland. Oh, definitely, like hundred percent, not enough chefs in the country at the moment. So I think we're we're looking for forty or forty five thousand hospitality staff at the moment. Now I don't know what the exact figure is for chefs, but uh, quite big, I would, I would say. Um, I know they've made it easier for bringing chefs in from uh, that don't have a European visa, but it still takes three months, and you have a lot of hoops to jump through. I think they need to make it a lot easier. Like, I'm looking for chefs. I could put an ad up and link them for a chef and I get inundated with chefs from India, Sri Lanka that are working out in Dubai and the Emirates and stuff like that and they can't get a job over there and we're crying out for chefs and it's very difficult to bring them in. It doesn't make sense, you know. Um, so, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, if we maybe look at see, seeing as you're such a prolific chef here, how do you do Prolific, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see, that's a test. How, how good are you at home cooking? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I do my fair share, I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the fair share now? <laughs> my, my wife, would. Uh, she works full-time as well, so mm-hmm. I, the way we have it, at the, like, she do a lot of the stuff and I just do the cooking maybe. You know, I might do one or two nights a week and make a couple of dishes for the next couple of days. So. Batch cooking? Yeah, a little bit of batch cooking, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, and then when I'm off, then I might do something nice. Or so, what's your go to dish? Like, I mean, what, say that you have three daughters, right? What age are the daughters? Uh, 18, 14, and 12. So, very choosy. 
are picking up, yeah, you're going to be three or four different things going on at the same right, time. Yeah. Right. So there's not, a, there's not a goat edition in the family, is there? Oh, what's it like? It all it varies. Some some weeks it's lasagna they like, uh, pasta bake, oh, basic enough stuff we do. Shepherd's Foy went down well the last time, right. but then you can make it again. So, oh, no, I don't like that anymore. Right. right. Okay. You're changing it again then. Right. But, um, yeah. And have any of them followed you into there? Have any of them shown an interest in the industry? My middle daughter, Lucy, yeah, she, she, they all know to cook actually, yeah, but Lucy, I think maybe she could be potential there. Um, she likes cooking, she's, she's very much uh, into her health now, she's very sporty. Of the three of them, she'd be the most sporty, but she's, um, she's got to get a meal plan off Carla Rowe, who be, uh, uh, she plays the Dublin ladies' team. Right. And uh, she's from our village, so she got a meal plan out for her. She was home last night making herself chilli. A recipe from Carla Rowe, you know, that she got, so nice right. healthy one. So, uh, But she could be, yeah, maybe she could be a chef. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah again, it changes. Might have a bit of influence to get her a job somewhere. Yeah, might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you find family life? I mean, is it difficult when you, when you come, the, come home in the evenings? I mean, what time do you would normally get home at? Look, if it's busy here, I'm here. Like if there's big functions on or stuff like that, um, I'll be here um until they're done. Um, but then in a normal day to day, like there's nothing really happening. Just a few in the restaurants. So I'd be trying to go home, pulling in around half six or so into the house. You know, right. it's not too bad. You know? and, and how how do you relax? How 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 does Gary Rogers switch off? Um, switch I, I find off? it very hard to switch off. I was just talking to my wife about it last night. I'm about to get myself a bike now. So I went for a little tiny cycle last night. So um, I do, I find it hard to switch off. I find it hard to sleep some nights, you know, especially if I'm busy. Because I, th- I find when I'm in here all day, you don't get a whole lot of time to digest and think about stuff because you're just busy, you know. And then when I, go, when I, when I find myself in bed down in the evenings, then my head's racing and I, uh, I'm thinking about everything that's happening the next day or next couple of days and stuff like that. So, um, but I'll go watch a bit of TV, read, a bit, read, a, read some books, um, Go for a walk, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. have a beer on the weekends with my neighbours and stuff like that. So that's it. And like, would you go walk or anything like that? There? Yeah, we, we do a bit of walking. Then myself and I uh, did a lot of walking over lockdown. Actually, we were geez, we were pounding the the roads out there mm-hmm. and, and all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, try to try to keep keep a bit of exercise, and it's hard. Though. You know, sometimes you go home and you're tired and stuff like that, and it's easy just to sit down on the couch or whatever. So just we're changing. Yeah, but I wonder, like, here, here within the resort, you have, you know, the likes of the golf and you have the likes of the gym. Would you not have an evening win here and spend an hour uh, in the gym with that? Not really. I'd like to just go home, you know, after work. Like, we, we can go out and play golf if you want. I need staff there. Yeah. Some of the parks are working there. You're allowed to play golf out there. and need uh, no charge. But um, I like to, when work's finished, I'd just go home to the family, you know. Because, um, like, just weeks there. Like, last week, very busy week. I don't, I was going out in the mornings and they were still in bed and I come home in the evenings they're in bed the mm. kids on so you have to take the good with the bad you know right yeah yeah, yeah. and do the kids ever cook for you? yeah Lucy will cook for me yeah mm. um, or or Ella or any uh, they might do pancakes on Sunday mornings maybe and stuff like that so and would you be critical now would you be or I don't them no, no. <laughs> <laughs> try and maybe nudge them in the right direction yeah. if they're going wrong but uh, no, no, no. yeah a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no, not too, not too critical with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I suppose to wrap it up, yeah, you know, if you had your life to live over again, would you have chosen a different career? No, no, 
Oh, I, don't, I don't know what else I would have done. This, that, this was definitely the prayer for me. I'm still um, hugely passionate about it. Um, it's You're always learning something as well. It just, it's always evolving, isn't it? Cooking and hospitality. You know, so, I know, I love it. love it. So, what are the numbers? Oh, we're Big thanks to Guy Rogers for joining us on the Chef Table Podcast. You can follow and subscribe to our channels with all our podcasts available on our website and on Spotify and YouTube. Bye for now.